Today it is my testimony episode, I think it's 12 or 13. I've lost track. I've talked to people, someone in Denver, someone in Gunnison, Colorado. Um, when I got here last two nights ago, yeah. we woke up and then went and spoke to uh, Dr. Marius. Are you familiar with Dr. Marius? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, we spoke to Dr. Marius and now we are in the heart of Fresno, Squaw Valley. Is it? That's where that's where George lives. Okay. And David's from. Okay. So we're in Clovis, California. No. Clovis. Rodeo Town. Okay. And we're here with Randall. Randall is a friend of George. This is kind of not strange, but the, it's it started out with the first ten people that I spoke to. Um, there was one degree of separation, and then now it's kind of moved into two two degrees separation. So, me and Randall have never met before until today, and I'm going to ask some questions for you, and the first one is probably the most difficult to some, and that's just, who's your God? My God? Yeah. Uh, he's my Abba Father, the King of Kings, the author and perfecter of my faith, the lover of my soul, my Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Oh, should I? A whole bunch of names he has, but... He's he's my God. Okay. How do you know that? How do I know that he's my God? Yes. Because he lives and because I believe in his word. Yeah. And I believe that um, he created all perfect things in the heavens and in the earth. The creator of all things through Jesus Christ. Okay. And I know that he's the, um, he's the reason I'm here. He knew me before I was in my mother's womb. He knows the number of hairs on my head. There's nothing that could separate me from his love. Where do you see God's work? Everywhere. And in, in, in you, in this place, in this community, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Yeah. So anywhere you go, you can see God, and particularly when he chooses to sign his name to sunsets and sunrises and awesome storms like we had last night with thunder and lightning and pouring rain. So he's just every little thing mm -hmm. to me. How do you serve him? By trying to advance his kingdom, by trying to do the best I can do with the gifts, time, talents, treasures he's given me to wake up each day and first of all, thank him for another day and a chance to uh, make an effort to repay the debt I could never pay. And to be Christ's ambassadors unto the world. world to be Christ's hands and feet, to actually act like I'm set apart, that I'm elect, that I know a God, that people would know that I'm a Christian by my love. Yeah. Um, that's a lot to do with how, how I do it. Those are the hardest questions that we're going to have this whole time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you nailed it. Um, you speak truthfully, honestly. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know you from what, like I said, I was going to say Adam, but from George, but, um, how, how did you and George meet? Uh, I met George and his family when we were, we moved up to the mountains, my wife and I, uh, she was a transplant from Los Angeles and we, my parents had some land up in Squaw Valley. So we bought the land from them and, and dropped a house there. And since we were now uh, new to the community, for a while we were driving down the hill to church in Visalia, and then we decided, well, let's check out the churches here. 
So we met them first at a church that was really a real winner of a church. <laughs> I kind of say that facetiously because it was most about what the pastor wanted to talk about, and it was usually his way or, or no way. And I think George and, and the kids were playing up there in the in the choir and worship band, and I think we left before they did. I can't remember which one of us left, but that's when we first met them. Yeah, was at church. And then eventually we re, re, reconnected up at another church, Dunlap Baptist Church. And again, the kids were there playing and, and involved in ministry. And George was one of the guitar players with his other, other kids, David, of course, and, and then James. And sometimes the other son would show up, but it was mostly James and David and, and Charlene, their yeah. sister. So we started uh, going to church together and, and basically started uh, our, I have two, we have two kids that are about the age of David and Charlene. And so we started hanging out more and more together. And there was a whole community of believers up there that were homeschooling their kids and they all knew everybody. And uh, the kids got involved in gleanings for the poor, for the hungry. And then that really put a fire in my kids uh, lives to want to go and do mission work so they they've gone all over the world serving the Lord as missionaries and my um, and my relationship with George basically changed from us just going to church together that we started having Bible studies together and he's always been a real student of the word so he's he's really uh, into trying to understand you know all the different um, teachings Sometimes I have differences with, with him and Mike because they, they kind of have one perspective. And I'm more of a, you know, I'm not going to burn down the house just because, you know, the guy that's at the at the pulpit is maybe has issues, you know. Yeah. So I just think, uh, but we spent a lot of time praying together, praying for each other, praying for the family, praying for the community, and, and of course our kids and one another. So that's where we, we kind of have been up until probably last year um which is now i don't know how many years it's been probably it's probably been 10 years that i've known george you've known him longer than me yeah <laughs> i met him about a year ago in mm -hmm. texas okay he came up to me and i was probably the youngest person in this church volunteering down in rockport texas just north of corpus christi mm -hmm. where the eye of hurricane harvey went over mm -hmm. Wow. And I was on my phone, and he came up to me and goes, what are you reading? Would you don't say that to a 20-something-year-old? What are you reading? You know, like, <laughs> he, I don't know what got into his head to think that I was doing something other than Facebook, Instagram, and uh -huh. the countless other things you can do on a phone. And I'm like, James? <laughs> he goes, ah, oh, counter all joy, my brothers and sisters, for the trials and... It, yeah. He, he probably he probably would have gone through the whole entire book of James yeah, probably, if, I, if I didn't yeah, stop he's, him. He's a, quite a student of the word. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't stop it, and, and then and then he just he man he just kept coming up to me and started talking to me, and I was like, it was the first time I think I've ever met somebody that um, became a friend. How I usually become a friend with people by just going up to them and speaking to them and just whatever, just having a conversation. Is that something how it happened with you or? I think it, and it was, was ten years ago, so I don't expect yeah, to. Know. I, I don't. I think mostly it was probably because at that particular church we were one of the few Hispanic families there, 
Mm-hmm. And so that we had that commonality, you know, although my wife is Anglo-Saxon, so she's not a Latina, but there's no doubt I was or my kids. And so I, I think we might have even reached out to them only because I'm real uh, proud of my, my ethnicity as far as from, you know, being a, an American to Mexican descent. And so when I run into other ones, particularly if there's not a lot of them there, <laughs> I have a tendency to associate with them just to kind of make connections. Sure. You know, to reach out. It's an easier brooch yeah. than trying to get through, you know, all the other Hey, things. we got the same hat on. Yeah, we, you got, know? We, at least, we at least look the same, you know, and, and <laughs> color-wise. You like Nike. I like Nike. We're yeah. wearing the same shirt. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was probably it. I don't recall... You know exactly the dynamic that transpired, but it was just a, you know, hi and bye and see you again type of deal. Yeah. And then we saw him again, and then then I, I think we're the ones that left first when I think more about it because we went back to the Visalia Church to to Calvary, and then when we tried again, we ended up at Dunlap, and they were there already. They had already left that other church. Okay. So what what do you what do you do locally here uh, to serve the kingdom as you? I'd put it. Well, what I do is basically I've been I've been put here with a responsibility to take care of seniors to ensure that they have a safe, secure, and happy uh, opportunity to live, have a quality of life that my owner, who's also a believer, uh, Mrs. Gray, wants to make sure that that we can provide to her residents. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's a little awkward for I've only had two wealthy people in my life that really cared about people that were that didn't have means or had less than than most and mrs gray is one of those people um and that she's always wants me to make sure i provide you know things from cookies and donuts and potlucks and main dishes and she caters a thanksgiving meal meal for the entire residence every year um so she's very generous in that respect so other than doing all things unto the lord which is what i try to do everything no matter what i'm doing uh I also try and, and and do what she would like me to do for the residents as far as maintaining civility, uh, making this a community and not just a bunch of people that live in the same plot of land and to get them involved. And so towards that end, I've, I've gone out and, and asked churches to come in and do Bible study. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had several food giveaways to different churches here. Um, we have, George has been here with the, for the men. We've had the men's prayer group here yeah. as well. Um, we've had, uh, myself, it's basically just doing the best I can to use my gifts, time, talents, and treasures I shared before to glorify the Lord. So I do all things unto him and for Mrs. Gray and just try and be a mediator. I'm a pastor. I'm a counselor. I'm, you know, I joke that I'm the mayor. Um, I mean, I wear a lot of hats here yeah. and, and it's all because of the residents to try and uh, do my job, not just what I'm paid to do, but what I know God would want me to do. Mm-hmm. And that's also taking them to church or coordinating rides for them, uh, inviting them um, to not only go with me, but by other believers in the park to coordinate to get them rides so they can get to their services, to their churches, by just being that person that, that kind of uh, mediates. Sure. So for the people who are not here with us or can not see us this this is also through a podcast so the people who are listening we are kind of in the center of it right now yeah that plot of land that you described right right the community what do you what would you call this it's here? it's a mobile home park okay it's just it's it's a uh senior uh, 
rent controlled mobile home park with only owner occupied residents. So we have 228 homes in, here in this community, a little over 15 acres, a little over 400 people. Um, and so my job is to make sure that in addition to doing the business aspect of collecting rents and take, making sure people that are, are not uh, following the rules and regulations that they need to abide by, um, by enforcing those, then I also have to move a step further sometimes and move for eviction. And sometimes a lot of those people shouldn't have been here. Mm -hmm. um, somebody was asleep at the well and let them get here, and it really took a long time. It's taken me three years I've been here, and I'm still not done. But yeah. I'm, I'm down to just a handful. And so the the place and the quality of life has, has changed, you know, drastically since I got here. And that's all because I'm a believer. You know, I, I serve. I'm a servant. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not called to be served. I'm called, like Jesus said, he came not to, not to be served, but to serve. And so I try and be like him and emulate that and do all that I can to, to make sure that they're proud of their community, that when they drive in here that they they feel, you know, they have this sense of self-esteem because a lot of people call, you know, want to call this a trailer park, you know, trailer trash and trailer mm -hmm. parks and what have you. Yeah. And, you know, there's no doubt that they're trailers, but it's all a matter of perspective. You know, it's... You it's, don't see these people as trash. No, heck no. No, not at all. You know, in fact, as, as much as I, I said that, you know, I had a hard time with older people when I was younger, and now I'm becoming one of those older people. But these people are like, I'm still a baby. I'm going to be 65 this year, and I got 95, 98-year-olds here. <laughs> they got kids that are older than me. So to them, I'm still a kid, mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, one thing my parents always taught me was to be respectful to your elders. And I've taught the same to my kids, but I've also taught them to be respectful to elders who respect you. Yeah. You don't just get respect because you're old. You know, that doesn't doesn't go in my book yeah you know you earn respect and you you give love you get love what was the earliest um i'll give you two options here the earliest time that you remember serving or the um earliest time that you remember seeking well i mean I've, i was raised catholic so i mean i was an altar boy until i was in eighth grade so I, I from the time I was in second grade to the time I was in eighth grade, I was an altar boy. And, of course, I didn't have a relationship I have with God now. Um, pretty much it was just, you know, root, showing up and, you know, dressing up and, and doing the best I could with my Latin, you know. And then as I got older and I started seeking, it was actually a priest that gave me the permission to leave the church because I was talking to him one day about an issue I was having and we were talking about it and by then the churches had had open confession so it was a matter of just like we're sitting here mm. it was no longer behind the confessional and you know not being able to see him so my relationship and my my trust in the Lord and his word what little the Catholic Church offered me was pretty getting stronger uh, I had been exposed to a different form of uh, spiritual growth that was through 12 step as you know as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous so I understood uh, a different God than what I had learned to know and fear through the Catholic Church so in the process of growing up and I was and I was still involved with the Catholic Church even as an adult and in recovery but then uh, you were, had, a, were you a part of the recovery oh process yeah. Or you, yeah I'm a recovering alcoholic addict okay so you know I, I, I came from from a real broken lifestyle yeah. And one of the things I know that the Word has called me to do is that to whom much is given, much is required. And so in that respect, I've been doing service work 
for a long time because you know we're taught to give it away in order to keep it but you know i have to give away the gift and the miracle that god gave me yeah and that was you know restoring me to a, to a state of mind and body that i could function and that i could contribute and that i could stop hating myself and try to off myself because most of my life my my young life all i wanted out of life was out yeah. you know i was very suicidal and depressed all the time and it was mostly because of guilt and shame that i kept reinforcing every time I go to the confession and do the same thing over and over again. I was like, well, you know, I ain't got a chance. <laughs> I'm not getting any better. I'm just getting worse yeah. and bigger sins, you know. But this this story with the priest, you know, he says, well, ultimately you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and that's something you need to be able to answer to him, not me. Yeah. He said, I'm just a man. And I was like, I had an aha moment. I was like, well, then why am I talking to you? <laughs> you're a man. He goes, yeah. And I can't, you know, I can tell you what it says. But ultimately, you just need to go to the, go to the throne. I was like, okay, I'm out of here. So you know, then I switched churches, I switched teams. I went to evangelical church, and and that was a big move for me, and and a little bit of a. Um, How old were you? Um, I got clean when I was 29, so I was probably 31. Yeah. In that age, and then. Were you single at that time? I was I was single at the time. Yes. Okay. I had, I had gone through a divorce. I had just gone through a divorce, mm -hmm. and I was single. And that's what the question was. I was trying to get him, thinking about getting involved with another person. So it was sort of like, well, you know, is that, what do you think? And it's like, well, you know what it says. And I go like, yeah, I know, it's a sin. <laughs> it's like, okay, well then, you know, but ultimately God knows your heart. So, yeah. you know, he really helped me understand for the first time that the best thing that the Catholic Church ever did for me was that. And I... Uh, so I started getting into church, and then I, I've always been into service. I've been coaching. I coach my little little league teams. I coached before I had kids. I was coaching, coaching baseball and soccer. Mm -hmm. Coached my kids to baseball and soccer. Eventually got to high school level coaching soccer. And one day I was on a bus, and the guy's like, "Hey, you like to read a lot? You know, I see you reading stuff." And I go, "Yeah, I'm trying to read, you know, some self help things." And he goes, "You ever read the read the Bible?" I go, "No, I'd like to, but you know, I don't really know where to start, and I don't know what to do." And um, he says, you want to learn? I go, yeah. He goes, well, you know, I'm a Jehovah Witness. And I says, yeah, I know a little bit about you guys. You don't believe in Jesus. Well, we believe in him. We just don't believe what, in that first part where it says that he was a God and stuff. I said, well, tell you what. He says, but we'll come and teach you how to read the Bible. I says, fantastic. You come, but understand I'm never going to become a Jehovah Witness because mm. I believe in Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, if you're willing to do that. So they showed up, you know, twice a week <laughs> and studied the word for a couple of years. And by then I was married. And had more kids, and then my wife and I got baptized in, I want to say, 98. Yeah, 1998. So that's when I, I actually did the real uh, commitment, you know, the public commitment as a follower of Jesus. And so that was 98. I was 54, 40, 44 years old, I guess. Yeah. 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 So about 20 years ago. And so from that point, my, my desire and zeal to serve has, has never changed. I've been in service because of the fact that I've always believed too much is given, much is required. And, you know, God saved me from, from an ugly death and sanity or incarceration. And so I got into, I was running treatment programs. I was a counselor. You know, I did counseling with, with programs, other al troubled alcoholics and addicts and inpatient, outpatient, aftercare with youth. So for most of my recovery, I've been serving, helping other people find the truth and find the light.
Yeah. And that's what something that I've done, you know, because of my own personal experience, because it's, it's always better from a person to hear from a person who's been broken, who's been restored to some from hopeless state of mind and body to, to counsel and work with another alcoholic or an addict. So I mean, that's I pretty much. That, I think that's why a lot of the, the book is, includes Paul mm-hmm. and his life. Heads up when you, when you put your hand on the table. Oh. This, this microphone is really sensitive. Okay. And I knew that I had to say that. And then I also had a question in my mind and it just like drifted away. So let me ask you, help me out here. We were talking about service. What, you know, what, how long? So the question, I'm still in service. You know, yeah. I, I, I give because God first gave me, you know, yeah. and I just do it as, as a natural way of doing things these days. I, I don't know no, no other way to do it, how to live. Did you feel like that, that, uh, that priest was one of your first friends to look at you and say something? I mean, I think he was the first is... honest priest that ever talked to me. Absolutely. Yeah. First, on, first man, really, that really talked to me about God. I yeah. don't even think I knew what a judgment seat of Christ was then. It just, you know, it made sense. <laughs> now I know what it means. <laughs> I know the difference between the great, white, the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. But then it was, all I heard was, you don't have to talk to me. I'm just a man. And I was like, <laughs> I bolted. Did you really just get up and walk out? No, or I it... thanked him. I you thanked him very him. much for setting me free. Yeah. Yeah. But of course it was God's plan. That's interesting. Yeah. I, so I, I grew up in a Catholic church yeah. um, until I was about 13, uh, 12. And my sisters started going to a youth group. And I I heard them coming home and saying how awesome it was. And so I thought, okay. Mm-hmm. Basketball, hanging out with other people. There's a band. Yeah. And, okay, I'm sold. Started going there. And that's... that's uh, that's whenever I, th- I, I think that that I realized that the next question was going to be, how do you worship? <laughs> Is it through how music? How do I or? worship? Yeah. Uh, I worship basically by being obedient. Yeah. By obeying, trust and obey. You know, I trust him and I obey him. It doesn't mean I, I, I can walk on water by, by a far cry. You know, I'm still not the man I'd like to be. Sure. I'm still not the man I'm capable of being, but thank God I'm not the man I used to be. Yeah. And that's made all the difference, you know, to understand where I was and where I am. Um, how can you not obey? You know, how can you not um, want to please him? And knowing that the debt that was paid, you know, by Jesus on the cross, the finished work of the cross. I mean, it's it's like, um, you know, I said it before, it's a debt I can never repay. Yeah. So all I, the best I can do is just try and be the best me on a daily basis and advance this kingdom by uh, being ready to give an account of the hope that lies within, being willing to uh, share my experience as far as conversion and, and who I am today. I tell people all the time, I, I wasn't always a nice guy. Because you know, a lot of people want to make you real real lofty and that you're such a great person. And I always have to remind them that I, I says, you know, by the grace of God, and I said, but I wasn't always such a nice guy. And they're like, oh, you're just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> if we had a lot of time, I could tell you a whole bunch of stuff. But it's really not appropriate, you know. Whereas, if talking about George, I mean, George could see a guy sitting on a, on a park bench 
100 yards away and he'll go take him a hot dog over eating hot dogs or he'll go give him 10 bucks if he has 10 bucks on him or he'll hit us up for a collection so i'm gonna go talk to this guy you know and it's like okay <laughs> we'll be here when you get back you know that's just him yeah like like he did with you he just kind of goes out there and and uh extends that that christian hand and, and that love unconditioned love to everyone that he meets so he's uh always been real quick to help me with whatever i needed to have done for me and mine. How has that brotherhood grown? How has that iron sharpened iron mentality? Well, I, I think for, for a long time, I mean, there's there's definitely mutual love for one another. Mm-hmm. You know, I love him, he loves me. Um, sometimes a little too too smart for me. And even both of him and Mike, they'll start talking about all these old books that they read and have you read this and have you read that? And I'm just like, oh boy, here we go again. And I'll just, I just, that's George, you know. <laughs> Whatever I go, when you guys come back to Earth, uh, let me know, and I'll you know chime in what I can because I don't even know what you're talking about. But you know that's that's okay. I mean they uh, they they've all, we've always managed to get along despite our our you know disagreements, uh, and there really isn't any disagreements. I mean we all love the Lord, yeah, and so you know we we know that we need to be there for one another and to sharpen iron as, as iron sharpens iron and and to do what we can um i mean there was a time when i w- went to a training uh, i could share this that mike and and george both as a as a when i got out of out of serving business because one thing the wor- world seems to do a lot when you're when you're on fire for the lord is that it goes out of his way the devil goes out of his way to try and make your life hard and throw you know obstacle and pitfall after pitfall in front of you and and I had gotten this new job and they needed, you know, I was gonna be gone for two weeks and I was like, we're pretty broke. You know, this is probably maybe as, as little as, I've had to know George longer because I've been in insurance, let's see, 2005. Yeah, that's 14 years ago. So in 2005, I, I got a new job and I was going back to Chicago, but I had started doing insurance again and I wasn't making it because mm-hmm. it's hard work selling insurance and I just wasn't as good as I used to be when I had real good success as a salesperson. And so they knew I was going and I says, you know, I don't have no money. I don't, really, I don't know what I'm gonna eat because we don't have any money if I go. And, and both of them, you know, out of, the, out of the generosity of their heart, you know, pulled out money and, and gave, brought it to my wife and she deposited it in our account. And that's what got me through, Yeah, you know, but that's an example of them. They're not rich, neither one of them. And yet, you know, they did what they could for me because they knew I had a need. So it's that kind of uh, uh, love that you don't forget that, you know, people cared enough to help you when you're in trouble. Even though I've seen them help other people, even though I've helped a lot of people, um, sometimes it's real hard to ask for help when you're a giver, you know, when you're a servant. Sure. Because you want to trust the Lord to provide, but, you know, sometimes he did provide. He gave me two friends that I could ask. I just had to get past my pride and ask. And yeah. when I asked, they, they came through. Yeah. But that's an example of, of our relationship. You know, and he's, like I said, he's been here doing Bible study. And, and he cooked for us uh, the first uh, Veterans Day we had. He came here and, and uh, he did a lot of work cooking and preparing the food and getting things organized. Bought all his, you know, he used to cook for a bunch of people up in the mountains all the time. So he's he's used to doing bigger events. And well, so, last time I was here, we we cooked a bunch of what were they tamales? Yeah, like a, a yeah, lot. He does tamales and, enough for an army. The whole kids. Yeah, they do a whole bunch of that. I don't know where he gave a lot. Of, I don't know if he. I don't think he ate them all. 
No, no, they give a lot away for sure. But uh, yeah, so he was, he's been here in serving at the park as well. You know, he cooked that day and, and we, we had a small token, a love offering that people gave us. And, you know, I, I gave it to George, but it was hardly worth his time and effort. He didn't do it to get paid. He just did it because I asked him to help me. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's never asked to be paid for anything. It's usually, you know, what do you need? And I'll, this is what I can do. Yeah. And if he doesn't know, do it, he'll know somebody who can do it. And that's where that information. He was the first and only person. No, there's another, another, um, another friend that, but he was the first person of two people down in Texas where he went and bought me a meal and it, you didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I was there for about three months. Um, he was only there for about a week or two weeks there at that location. But I remember him uh, buying me a meal. And it was just like, it was Whataburger. <laughs> like yeah. One of the f- first times I ever had yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, so where do, you, where do you see, where do you see things going in the next, I, I want to get your kind of perspective on where you see things going in, in the church and national world level. Where, where, where do you see things going? And that's a really vague way to put it, but. Uh, I, I think that I gave you a lot to bite from, but um. well, you know, I I don't I don't know much from from the standpoint of where where we're going, because you know one of the things the program taught me, in the, you know, twelve step program is you know one day at a time, and so I try and keep my my life simple by just worrying about today. And the word talks about not to be worrying about tomorrow because what can we add to it? Yeah. You know, by today's problems are sufficient unto themselves. So for me, it's about, you know, I, I have concerns sometimes along the lines of of uh, George and, and Mike that sometimes, you know, the church has lost its lampstand and I, I just see somebody up there doing blah, blah, blah. And, you know, usually I won't stick around very long because, you know, life's too precious to sit around and, yeah. and do that. And even though I'm not a pastor, I could certainly stand up there and talk about God all day long with more conviction and more love and more genuineness than some of the people I see up there. Mm-hmm. So it concerns me that, you know, more and more churches are closing and it concerns me that the church I attend, we're not, we don't, we're growing, but you know, it's an ebb and flow. Um, there's, there's constantly people coming and going, but I think for me, it's just a matter of me and my house. I'm hoping that the Lord tarries a little longer because we have several children that are backslidden that we want them to to have the Lord in their life, but they have chosen not at this time to to ask Him to be the their Lord and and their their King and Jesus as their Savior. So uh, for us, we pray every day for them that they'll you know that the mission workers, those harvesters that the Lord has out in the mission fields, will come to Him, and we pray every day that they'll you know soften their hearts when they have the opportunity to hear the truth, and that they'll ask the Lord to come and us up with them. So for me, it's it's more personal that I'm more concerned about mine as I am about the ones that haven't been called yet. But when I have the opportunity, I ask people, you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Or who's your savior? What do you mean? You know, so it's a lot of just, it's it's our responsibility to be busy about, you know, the Lord's work until he comes to take us home. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think I'm a, post-millennial in my own personal because God's used me for so many things with so many broken people. I can't imagine him taking me home and just to be kicked back up there in heaven 
with him when there's so many so much suffering left in this world knowing that I'm a warrior for Christ yeah so to me I almost expect to be left behind not because I don't deserve to go but because I just believe that he needs he needs to have workers here and I'm a worker bee so if he thinks I'm ready to go home then so be it I'll he'll take me home but I just I just think there's going to be too much suffering and too much pain that I wouldn't want to go until every last person that has possibly the chance to hear the truth heard the truth and had an invitation to accept Jesus and that's just who I am that's an interesting perspective no huh. I've never heard that before that's to say that 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 you would um, not much rather be left behind but how you feel that um, it's almost God's will for you to be left behind um, Maybe you could put that in a different light for me. Well, I guess because some people believe that we're going to be, you know, lifted up into the clouds to meet the Lord before the the all the suffering and 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 that that's been written about in Revelations transpires. And myself, I don't believe that. That's why I say I think I'm a post millennial. I think we're going to be here through the end. That the church has to suffer. I think that it's going to be too too convenient. For us to think, well, I lived a good life, and so yeah, zap me out of here, and you know, let you deal with this, and because that's not what the Lord saved me for. He saved me to be a light. Yeah, you know, light on the hill, not a bush, not a light under a basket. And so, it's easy to be a Christian, honestly, in America. I mean, what kind of challenges really are there, other than you know, some people, you know, taking your inventory and and you know, mocking you and what have you, but. I think you might that, have your cake store. Huh? You might you might have your cake cake business out of go out of business if you live in Colorado. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So there there is a little bit. Well, but. yes, some of those things are you know that's political for like you know even Trump. I mean, I, I I think that he tries to be a godly president. I think that he's he's got some issues he's going to have to answer for, but it's not my job to judge him, you know. And and some of the things you hear makes you creeps you out, but. I've done some pretty creepy stuff in my life too, so you know it takes one to know one. Yeah. But I I do appreciate that he's trying to to uphold some of the things that are are where our country has pushed things uh, uh you know to the to the right or to the left instead of being a godly country. Sure. And so I'm hoping that you know he'll continue to uh, help the churches to prosper and the and the mission fields to grow. And not so much only for Americans, but just for mankind. You know, yeah. we're still the leader, the free, only free nation and leader of the world. So, you know, he's an example where I think, uh, I, I'm kind of glad some of the old big name guys are kind of out of the mix. You know, I, I think it it's too easy for everybody to pass the buck because, they, you know, Billy Graham's gonna do it or Franklin, I've never been a big fan of Franklin Graham, but you know, I, I love Billy Graham. <laughs> but you know, I don't know all the old guys like like George and Mike and them talk about these. You know, oh, even some of the guys from our church that are real theologians. You know, they can bring out some really heavy hitters. I don't know them. I've never read their books. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm too busy just trying to stay ahead of the curve today. <laughs> I don't want to go too far back into the history. Uh, maybe if I did, I'd have a different perspective. But I'm more concerned about the people I'm going to run into today. And, you know, what can I do to, to give them hope or to, to give them, show them Christ's love? Because that's, that's important. 
you know. And and people, I get letters. I, I try to do a lot of, even when I write the manager's letters, some people, you know, send me notes and say, this, we're not all Christians, you know, you need to stop all that stuff and you're getting us sick with all that and, you know, knock it off and we're going to we're gonna have to take action, you know, meaning like you're you're preaching to the wrong people here. We don't want to be, yeah, you know, held accountable. We don't want to be saved. We don't want to know all this stuff that you're sharing with us. And I was like, well, okay, that's cool. I'll, I could water it down. You know, I don't have to put the scripture in verse in, and I can still say the scripture in verse without because they wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, unless I give them a clue and say this is from you know, this is the scripture in the verse. Then yeah, they're gonna call me on it. So I just kind of leave the scriptures and verse out. Now. You just have to say Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. At the, at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I think Abraham Lincoln said that. Sort of the Ninja Turtles. I'm not sure which. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Uh, the I've been I've been trying to find out how how is it that how is it that I could disciple? How is it that others could disciple? How is it that I could disciple to others to disciple? And like, mm-hmm. how do you speak into? Um, and there's a question. This I promise is is that that um, um, I had a question that, that that was really on my mind, on my heart to ask a lot a lot of y'all is that you know how do you and, and it's again promises a question. This is that is it you know how do you rebuke those in the church and how do you warn those out of the church? But the more I start thinking more about that question, is like it's it's almost the wrong approach to and and that there's that approach and then. Um, Rather, you know, how, how, do you, how do you love people in such a world of hate is the question that I have for you. Well, I think if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, it's pretty easy, despite the hate. Sure. Because that's what we're called to do. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's, I, I think what happens, in fact, you know, speaking, I can share my experience. I mean, because I, I think even now, you know, I don't know that George belongs to home church because he's kind of eliminated all the churches you know and so i was like well where's your 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 gathering with you know other believers and i i can share that we had were attending a church we were very happy and then i started my wife wasn't real happy it's it's a younger church so we're kind of old for that church but uh you know it was like well yeah and i don't like that our churches don't do enough outside the outside the walls we only seem to worry about taking care of the people inside the walls but we're already saved i mean we're like we may have needs, but our salvation is guaranteed as long as we continue to love the Lord and serve the best of our ability. Whereas the people outside that don't even know Jesus, you know, it's like, well, I don't think we got to go out there and hand out tracts and stuff, but I'd like to do events where we can invite them and share with them um, opportunities, much like I shared with you that, you know, that 168 movie, Christian movie festival. Uh, that's an opportunity for people that don't know the Lord but like to make movies. Mm-hmm. to get involved and, and then some of it's going to rub off for example and so our church doesn't do a lot in that respect and you know you can start picking things apart to the point that you talk yourself out of going and looking for somewhere else um and that's what happened to us you know we were we were happy there my wife wasn't happy she wanted to try another church this is fine let's go where the kids are going to church our younger two and they were at another church here in fresno we went there and, and the pastor was anointed very anointed uh but he was doing three services a day, and sometimes he would take a break on one service, and maybe we just got lucky and got the throw in, you know, the stand-up pastor, and you know there was no fire, there was no reason to be there listening to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could stay home and watch TV and, and have a better sermon, and we didn't know anybody there, and so you know, and several times I see the pastor around. It's like, well, it's not like he's not available. He's outside yakety yak, 
So then she said, well, let's try this other church. Then we went and tried another church. And that church was like the old Calvary because that's where she was growing up as Calvary. And, but it was like an old hippie church. You know, there was a church, there was a pastor there that, you know, bless his heart, he liked to sing and he had long hair and he was, you know, sort of like kumbaya feeling. And I was like, we were there for five weeks and I don't think I heard any, any truth. And I told my wife that, I said, you know, honey, I'm, we're going here now and I'm not getting fed. I'm not, I'm meeting nice people. Oh, they're so nice. I'm like, yeah, they're real nice. I said, but they're not being fed. Hmm. You know, the, the shepherd is somewhere else and I don't I need to feel some conviction by the Holy Spirit and I need to feel that we're we're really diving into God's word and so the long story short of it is like well okay well then we won't go to church I said well that's not a solution you know that's not going to happen you know we're going to go to church we're going back to our church and of course her being you know a believer as well saying well you're the head of our household I'll go where you where you want to go but it was just that little bit of time that we were out of church and out of connection with the church family, with people who loved us, with church leadership, that the enemy attacked us. And he attacked us hard in our relationship. I mean, he basically, I thought it was this park that was causing me a lot of anxiety in the people here, but it was really my own household. And I didn't know it until it was too late. And when the things were said that caused us a lot of pain and hurt were, were over, you know, I was really crushed that I had basically allowed the enemy to get a foothold in our in our household through my wife and not being uh, wise enough to do what I needed to do instead of just sitting on the fence. So I put our family at risk, and I call it a spiritual relapse. You know, I, knowing how terminology from recovery, I, I had a spiritual relapse because I was doing all this church shopping and the truth was, I had a good church. I was happy. I was content. I was being fed. I had a great pastor, great leadership, great church family. Hmm. But I was looking for something else. You know, the enemy had put those blinders on my eyes to think that it was somewhere else. And while I was out there looking for somewhere else, he brought this whole place, all the factions in my life, which is the business here, the responsibility, the people who are problematic, lawsuits against the park, lawsuits against me. He was just attacking left and right. And then... He hit me below the belt with my wife, and it crushed me, you know. And I knew that it was a lot to do with my responsibility for not being the spiritual leader of my home, that I needed to be. Hmm. And so I couldn't blame my wife for saying what she said. And, and as much as it hurt, you know, I've said worse. So it wasn't like, you know, I just said, I just need some time, babe. You know, I need you to, I need you to go stay in L.A. with mom and dad, take care of them for a while, because I just need to get my head back on straight, because I'm... I'm falling apart. Hmm. And I didn't reach out to my church. After she left, I reached out to my church. And I, and I was transparent and told them what was going on. And they knew that I'd been away, but they didn't, you know, do, do the, I, I, we told you so, or, you, you know, you never should have done this. Like, you're back, brother. We love you. Yeah. You know, what, what can we do to help? And I said, right now all you can do is pray and pray that I'll forgive her and pray that I'll, I'll not just know in my head that I need to forgive her because the Lord hates divorce. But pray that it gets into my heart and that I'm able to sincerely forgive her because the things that were said were very hurtful. And I told her this past Sunday when we went back to church, she came back after, you know, probably gone 16 days. And she came back and, and I spent all this time back in 12-step and just reaffirming my, my foundation that, that they had given me before and praying and in His Word and, and just loving 
just being a love machine and praying that God would give me mercy and, and not make me get so angry over the things that were said and that he would heal me. And he did. This Sunday when we went to church, I mean, I told her, I said, you know, honey, it's like none of this ever happened. It's, it's as ugly as it was, as hard as it was. It's, it's just God right now. We're, we're exactly where we need to be. And we're exactly where we were before all this went south. And I'm, I don't have that, that remorse or that pain anymore. God's removed it. You know, just because I let him. You know, that's, that's faith that works. And that's what I would tell people that my concern is that, you know, while you're wasting time looking for the perfect church, the enemy's going to be busy attacking you and yours, and that's not where you need to be. So yeah. that's a long-winded answer to your question about yeah. what I see in the future, but that was my experience, and now I know that, you know, I, I, need to, I need to be more accountable, and I need to be more transparent. That as things are hurting me, instead of just trying to solve it myself, that I need to reach out people mm -hmm. and ask for help and ask for prayer how often did you ask god to help you to forgive her i mean was every that... day hour hour Hourly? to hour hour to hour and, and and every time you know the that enemy's reminding well you know you really like watching sports you know you, you know, if she comes back you know, she's going to be mad at you because you're always watching tv and if she's not here you don't have to deal with that i mean this is stupid stuff you know but it's just that kind of debate team going on the committee's going on in your head and I'm like, oh, just whatever. Yeah, I like sports, but, you know, I could live without it. It's not, mm -hmm. They're not my idol, you know, basically. But I, I told, uh, for me, it was every every day to be mindful. And I, I mean, I was, I started, like, dieting because I'm a good cook. My wife's a much better cook, but I'm a good cook. So it's not like I didn't know how to cook. Not one of those Carl's Jr. guys that go to Carl's Jr. or they'll die, you know. For me, it's like, I just was, I was broken. I was broken for a couple of days and and the stress of being broken you know probably put me on my path to losing 16 pounds that i've lost <laughs> so that was there a good go. thing <laughs> you know i've been asked and and i've been asking god to help me be more in service because with older people you could only do so much to, to bring them to an opportunity for change and for a different way to live and and i've been missing counseling i've been missing being a maximum service to God and to others. And, you know, so I've been praying for him to do that, and it was kind of a roundabout way of getting there. But, you know, now I'm, I'm back serving at CR with Celebrate Recovery and, and also serving at, at AA meetings. And I enjoy it because I can hear the pain and I can offer hope mm -hmm. and a solution. And, of course, Jesus is a solution. Yeah. And I, I believe strongly that, that Bill W. And, and Dr. Bob were given the principles of AA by God for God's people who yeah. happen to have an affliction called alcoholism. You know, because you can replace alcohol with anything. It's still I, self, and me, the ism. You know, my problem is still Randy today. You know, alcohol is not a problem for me anymore, but I still get in my own way. I ask how often you said, ask for help to forgive, because I've been doing that for about six months. Mm. And it's still... It's still rough for me. Yeah. And clearly you're, you're a stronger guy than me. I, I don't know how long it was before you you did truly, it, it finally settled in. But 
Well, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be a deal breaker. You know, I know what the Lord says about divorce, and I know there wasn't reason, you know, we, I know what he talks about opening our mouth and the tongue, you know. Yeah. And and I know that she didn't mean, she meant it when she said it, but she said it because there, the enemy had got a foothold and, and the bitterness was in her heart and just all came out, you know. And it came out just the way it was supposed to because the enemy was trying to destroy me. And, and it took me a couple of days just to get over that initial thing. But, you know, fortunately, God always reminds me, hey, you know, you've been forgiven a lot of stuff too, Mr. Randall. And I go, I know, Lord. And I've said much worse, not to her, but I'm sure to somebody. You know, I just know that. And, and that's the measure you measure with will be measured back to you. And so it's like, okay, this is ugly. Yeah, and it hurt. And I don't know how long it's going to take. And, you know, a week, 10 days in, she's like, you know, I'd really like to come home. And I says, honey, I'm not ready. I'm really not ready for you to come home yet. And you're sick, and I don't want to get sick. So, you know, get over your sickness. I'm getting stronger. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, and I'm sure it'll be soon. And and then I says, yeah, it's time. Come home. And and at this point, you know, I don't have any malice torture. never have any malice torture. Uh, we probably do a little bit too much coarse joking and, and foolish talk that we need to because we're both out of the 60s and we, you know, got this wild imagination. But, uh, and I'm sure Pastor will tell us <laughs> we need to knock that off, you know, because it, it adds up even when you think it doesn't hurt. Sometimes it, it does. Yeah. But you don't know how to tell a person that it's hurting. And and I think sometimes I am a pretty dominant personality, although I'm I'm really easy. Like, I, I let go and let live is what, one of the premises of 12-step. And it's like, you know, I don't want you to make me happy. I just want you to make yourself happy and I'll be happy when you're happy. Because I believe in a relationship that we have to have two individuals that are codependent, not codependent, interdependent uh, on each other. But, you know, I can't be her God and I don't even expect her to be my God, you know. She is who she is. But I don't like, uh, people give me a lot of stuff because I'm smart like George is and Mike in other ways. But I don't like to be known as a smart guy. I like being smart got me in trouble. I was, you know, I didn't just suffer from alcoholism. I suffered from big shotism. So when when I start feeling like a big shot, big shot, then I'm in trouble. I better start checking in with the Lord a little bit more so He can do a little chastening. So because... the seven deadly sins you say pride is the. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. One of the hardest for me. I try and I try and just stay. You know, on the sidelines, even this, you know, if it wouldn't have been for David asking me, I would probably wouldn't have said no. But, you know, he knows, I don't know if he knows I love him, but I love him. I love all George's kids. So, you know. Uh, David Randall loves you. James has asked me for, you know, to do some things for his classes in the past. and Yeah. So, you know. Well, yeah, you didn't have to sit down with me, and like I appreciate you sit down. I hope you had it like a, a genuine time, and no, absolutely, everything you're cathartic. saying it gets absorbed in, and it, it actually it's it's twice for me. Yeah. I sit down, and I'll edit through this, and I, I, I'll, I'll hear it twice yeah. if I didn't catch something the first time. And no. unfortunately, it's like it, usually by the end of me editing through this, I'm thinking to myself like. Man, I should have asked him that. I should have yeah. asked him this. I should have asked him that. Like, why did I not? So no. I, I might have to get your email and shoot you a couple well, questions. Well, that's today. not a problem. And I, and I definitely will pray that you find forgiveness in your heart for whatever's, whatever's afflicting you, whatever's causing you some some anxiety, some sadness. Because, yeah, life's too precious yeah. to, to be living in the past, especially. 
you know, I'll, no man's promised tomorrow, and it's today's the day of salvation. So just go for it today. Do the best you can with what you have for as long as you can today. Yeah. Tomorrow's another I guess the day. only difference between you and me is that it was my girlfriend and it was your wife. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know if you can speak to that, but <laughs> relationships are tough. They take a lot of work. Yeah, they do. And and there is no innocent victim. I mean, if if we're honest with ourselves and and look at our own side of the street. I can see where I, I have given Ingrid even reason to believe that, you know, she needed to, to bite my head off like that. But, you know, I don't say that I deserved it, but at this point I don't say that I didn't because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, few things matter much, most not at all. Yeah. So if you ever want to get a lot of cliches, call me up. I don't want to <laughs> cliche king. <laughs> all right. The cliche cl- king. Cliche king. <laughs> That might that might be the title of the video right there. The cl- oh, yeah, cliche cool. king. Uh, Rand, Rand, what, what is your last name? Guerra. 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 If you if you roll the R's, I got it. too hard for most people. I just go Guerra. Guerra. Yeah, Guerra. I have to really hard try yeah. it though. My yeah. wife always makes fun of me. She goes, "Oh, when you talk to Mexico, you always say Guerra, but when you talk to anyone else, you just say Guerra." I go, yeah, because I don't care. Because <laughs> you don't care? I, I don't care. I mean, guerra or guerra, you know? I was like, oh, whatever. I thought you said I don't guerra. No, I, I was just, like, that's good. Yeah, no, I just you got to run with that, though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't guerra. I don't guerra. Yeah. I'll try it. Pleasure. It was, Pleasure. It was really nice to meet you. Um, and subscribe, like, comment, questions below, and then I'll... I'll send it. Maybe, maybe somebody has a question out there that, that sees this video. I'm pretty much an open book. Yeah. Do you have any email? I don't. I don't like. I, I, do you have any email that I could that you could say on here that yeah. is a, a side to your main email in case a million people see this tomorrow and I don't want you to get filled. I mean, I don't see that. What, one of my. <laughs> one, I can say this. My one of my favorite authors is Og Bandino. Yeah. And because I was an insurance salesman, and my my trainer had me read read the greatest salesman in the world, and that's how I first learned about Og Bandino. But he has another book called The Greatest Miracle in the World. My father just read that first book. Okay. And, it, and, and in the book, it talks about a rag picker. Yeah. So I'm God's rag picker. So my email is godsragpicker at AOL.com. Because what a rag picker is, is a person who goes and takes people off the human scrap pile where they've thrown their lives because they're broken, damaged, and think they're no good. You pick them up, you dust them off, you pump them up, and you... Get them back in the race and back in the fight, and that's what I what I do. So I know it all is kind of like an old thing, but it's still my it's still my heart email that I use all the time when it's anything to do with God. The world's in any ministry. The, the world's greatest salesman. Yeah, is that the book name? Yeah, is it green and like with the? There, there's diff- it's okay. there, there, I don't only had the paperback initially. It was a blue one, but yeah, Augmandino has the greatest secret of the world. Many books, greatest secret, greatest miracle, greatest salesman. But the rag pickers in in the miracle book. Okay, all right. Okay, thank you again for sitting down with me in front of the lights and the camera and the. Absolutely. Speaking about all your past actions, did that work together there? Yeah. Lights, camera, talking about your past actions. Yeah. Cool. And, and future. Uh, yeah, yeah. Possibilities. Yes. yes. Okay, let me show you what you guys got to do so Scott can do this thing. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, they say I met you once before. You look kind of familiar. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But I, I, you know, you get older, you don't remember. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 I get it. Hey, I
Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm sure you'll do great. Yeah. Yeah. Do uh, or do the rest of the home. Yeah, right through that.